0: This is the AI-assisted organization podcast, hosted by myself, Piers Lillian, and my co-host and co-founder of Implement AI, Dr. Alok Shukla. So we're a bit late this week, aren't we? Because we've been so busy on uh, working with clients yeah. and various things. Indeed. but means there's more time for updates. Yeah, there's lots more new stuff to come out this week. Yeah, we squeezed some more news in. So as usual, we're going to cover some... Uh, Artificial intelligence related news that relates to business as opposed to just general news as well, because there's so much that the, the pace of this news, we say every week, don't we? And you, you see this a lot, but you know, this has been a hectic week, but it's just constant. It's unbelievable. And then we're going to focus on the theme this week as well as our usual implement AI updates. But the theme is going to be which large language model, and you might think of that as a chatbot, depending out how, how much you use it, which one do you use? There are more of them, they've been announced all the time. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk about Google and their announcement in a moment, which has been quite interesting about whether they're faking it until they make it, which is quite unbelievable when you think about We'll talk about Google here. And, and the news, for us really, this week, we've got a bit of updates. We haven't really done much too exciting. It's been working, but we uh, received a grant from 11 Labs. So if you followed our podcast, you'll know that. Quite a few times our AI of the week has been 11 laps, which is a fantastic, it's kind of text-to-speech, but now they're going, to, you know, that's getting almost like real-time audio. You're getting very close to, I've said this a few times, to real-time voice uh, as a new interface. So that's really exciting for us. So we, we get quite a lot of uh, ability to access technology. Yeah. So let's get on to the news. Voice is the new interface. It's been going on for a few weeks now, but uh, it is Google Gemini. So we didn't really cover it in the last pod, my mentioned it, but I'm that, with month. Google Gemini's coming, multimodals coming, and then it, it kind of arrived, sort of. Now, if you haven't followed the news, you may have seen the the demos or various things leaked before they announced it. But just over a week ago, they, they announced Google Gemini. Now, let's not forget, right? Twelve months ago, none of this stuff existed. So the fact we're now talking about, you know. Multimodal intelligence is insane in its own right, but Google have always been a little bit behind the curve. haven't they, saying so. You know, Google Bard was launched; people weren't that impressed with it. Chat GPT, I'm talking to quite a few others today as well. In our theme, yeah, it's so just came, like, I mean, they've been trying to work out how do we integrate this into our you know enormous. Cash machine, money printing. Models. Yeah, without cannibalizing it. So, well, they've kind of realized now that they have to, you know, get on, get on our proverbial ship leaving the harbor. while they're going to be left behind. Oh, and what they've done is they've launched Google Gemini. So there's three models. There's one which is Nano, which will work on a small device, like a phone, and it's going to be on their um, on their new phones as well. Some of their I don't use Google phones, but it's going to be on the, the Android devices and then Pixels, and then they've launched the uh, Pro, which is the one that's now working within Google Bard, and the big one, the really clever one, Ultra. They announced it. They have some great demos of talking to the thing, understood drawings, pictures, games. It was a line? But, was it? What was it? The guy was doing hand signal. They showed. They
1: showed a video where he was like showing hand signals and playing rock paper scissors. And what am I doing? All this kind of stuff.
0: Slight sleight of hand. Yeah, sleight of hand. Like which which hand is the is the coin underneath and all this kind of stuff. But and he looked amazed. Been under pressure to ship something and get out of the door, which they've kind of done. And then they had a lot of um, comparisons about how does it compare to, you know, GPT-4 or 3.5, and they were saying it's, it's better. Now, when you look at the details, and we're not going to go into this to detail, because there's lots of news on the internet, you can go and read if you want to, but yeah, they weren't really comparing against GPT-4 Turbo, and... The Ulta model, which they were using as the comparator, isn't available yet. It's probably going to be available, you know, end of Q1 next year, if we're lucky. So there's a bit of smoke and mirrors there. And the video wasn't live. Yeah, and you know, exactly, let come back to that. And the video wasn't live. It was edited. It was, you know, they, they were kind of training it. Heav- heavily prompted. Yeah, they, were, they were training it. They were prompting it. They were showing things in advance and then asking the questions. So it was, it was quite likely to get it right. However, it's good. Let's remember this technology is going to change the world, right? That's why we're here, and um this was available too long, you know, too long ago. Now the thing about Gemini, Gemini is supposed to be multi-modal. It's been built as a multimodal platform, whereas the OpenAI platform—they've combined, you know, gpt four with dall and various other more foundational models. To have that kind of multimodal. Um, Front front end, but it's not technically a a ground-up multimodal model. So very exciting, and I'm sure you know when Ultra's launched, it'll get there in the end. So Google german if you haven't used it yet, you can now go and have a look at Bard and start using it because it is it is pretty good, and the internet's gone mad about it all being fake, but. I think they're missing the point, right? They're missing the point. This this stuff is game changers.
1: No, no, no. But you know what? The best, a good video I saw was when someone actually made a video using GPT-4 and it was a live video where it was feeding it screenshots and it literally did some parts of the demo and GPT-4 did it. So he was talking to it and it was saying, what do you think I'm doing? And it's like, you're playing a game, rock, paper, scissors. It did all that stuff. So, GPT-4 Vision can do that, but the power is incredible. And I think the fact that those those three sizes models, I'm going to come back to that in the second part of this, where we're going to which LMs to use, because this is a very key point now coming.
0: Let's move on there. Um, so, again, we, we always uh, sort of talk about you know, puriah and various law suits because it's going to be important for law. And I'm an ex lawyer. I know how slow the law can be, but it's important for law and regulations to catch up with the technology. So, you're now seeing that Getty. Uh, and Getty images if you use stock images they've um issued a, a lawsuit against against stability ai there and it's quite interesting actually you see some of the when you create an image in um in the stability models you'll see that sometimes in the image that the AI has created it puts the getty images watermark really? yeah say so, hang on a minute yeah 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 it's nuts so it's so good as a fucking album in court is it let's face it with a bar as the holes add up but um Essentially, they're saying, look, you're training your technology on our, on our image stock, and we should be paid for that. Now, my personal view is, is you know, the law will work itself out. I think that's a public interest in being able to use this technology. So as a user, if you're a business owner, it doesn't really concern you. It's more like the, the record labels fighting with Apple Music and Spotify, and who gets paid what? Now, we as the users, we're going to have access to technologies for them to work out what their comics are and uh, how they're shared out. So let's move on from that. Now, Meta have launched, um, it's imagined by Meta. So everyone's trying to outdo each other on their various launches. They've rolled out a new sort of generative AI um, experience, if you want to call it that, which it creates images by describing them in their natural language. So a lot of the kind of image generators, you have to use sort of particular prompts in a mid-journey can be quite technical not particularly good when you're trying to use um natural language so this is it's a bit like darle 3 and mid journey and the other ones but it's powered by meta's emu image generation model and this does create very high resolution so yeah, the faster we move towards natural language the better um so that's uh initially launched from meta meta is still you know and we're going to talk about um the law as well in a moment eu that the fact that meta's open source, maybe an advantage to them. Now, on the models, we're going to talk about model models a bit later. Double stability, LM, Zephyr 3B. When you say 3B or 7B, it usually means 3 billion parameters. So these are small models. Some of the new models, like Amazon, are a trillion parameters, right? So this is like 3 billion. So it's small in comparison. What that means, though, you can deploy this on edge devices and even IoT devices watches, phones. And that's where you really that's do work, you, you want it on the move, don't you want the intelligence to go? Intelligence everywhere on. So- Exactly, intelligence in, in everything. So you're seeing this in you know, Google Gemini Nano on devices in Pixel phones you mentioned exactly. earlier. This is another one of those models as well. So you're going to see more and more of these small models launched for deployment. on, And they're not, not going to be as good, but they're going to be good enough to do what you need to do on that particular device. And no internet's needed for these. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. It'll be always on. So some of these things, um, you know, Talk about how AI can change the world. You, know, you can have devices in the middle of nowhere where there is no Wi Fi, there is no internet connectivity with access to technology. So you'll see that the MAD at a, a stability. He's very much trying to get you know, an iPad, which, you know, or some kind of device in the hands of every school child in Africa, for example. One of these models working on it where there's internet connectivity. Or not. So imagine the power of that. So this is actually quite important. I thought the really big news, going back to law and regulation, is the EU have announced it's not, it's not actually, it's not really law yet, but I mean, it's amazing to see the other the EU move this quickly. Well, they're leaders in. Even, even faster than the US.
1: Leaders in regulation. We're not necessarily in actually like helping progress the world, but yeah, that's.
0: Just, that's... Well, but I think, you know, regulations tend to, they have to start somewhere. It'll probably find this, uh, the water level at some point in time. I'm not going to go through all the detail because there's quite a lot of it. But essentially, what they're doing, if you're trying to summarize it, is they're kind of uh, applying different regulations, different rules, a different sort of uh, depths of regulation based on the potential risk of the artificial intelligence. If you've got some artificial intelligence which is can make its own decisions and it's sitting in some tank, right, then they want, they want to know a lot about it, how it works, they want you to know how it works as well. And you've got to basically file a lot of information about that technology with the regulator to you know general purpose ones where there's no there's no massive particular risk to use society at large but what they do want though it seems to want which is interesting when you talk about intelligences you want the, the people building these models to understand how they work now that's interesting you might think they always do but sometimes these large language models do things and the people that build them don't quite understand how they did them like suddenly learn a new language
1: I like yeah I was, I was reading a nice post by uh, andre copper he, like he's like a Brilliant um, AI researcher. He was working on an autopilot before. was working at OpenAI, and he was talking about like how people think that hallucination is basically like a, an error. And he was saying that actually, all the NLMs do all day is basically dream. So that if they're dreaming and remembering the world, all the information, in the hazy states, and whatever you type brings out the dream. And it's just like if you didn't like the dream, then that's the thing. So the thing is, it's so complex these systems. I just think that they're just rushing too fast and they're trying to like celebrate you look at some of their Twitter posts and stuff, it's it's honestly quite
0: comical because they're trying to like pat themselves on the back about this but before they've actually understood everything fully it'll have to be adjusted you might find it's adjusted before it's actually enacted so they've got a list of prohibitions yeah. so things are like you know aut- autonomous devices or autonomous weapons essentially things like using remote biometric identification. So this is used by governments like China, for example, to sort of manage people and where they are and how they're behaving. So they're kind of um, actually prohibiting some use of AI, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, but Amazon's recognition does that, you know. It's available, you just can't use it weenily, you know, sitting in a, a CCTV camera in Piccadilly Circus. So I think some of it they've kind of got right, but... There are some gray areas where one of the big ones is that they're regulating the closed source, so the private, the proprietary models. What's interesting for companies I met, I mentioned it earlier, is that if you're open source, some of this regulation may not apply, which is interesting, isn't it? Because it still does the same thing. Yeah. So I don't fully understand the logic behind that. Actually, we'll do more it will do more. The the open source models have
1: not been red-teamed so that they actually have like all the capabilities. So if you look at like some of the earlier OpenAI papers with GPT 3.5 where they were basically trying to like get it to Mm -hmm. let's just use these alphabet spear phishing emails or something different like this. Those sorts of things are like trained out of the new model. But like in open source models they do everything basically. You Mm -hmm. know, so paradoxically it's actually penalizing the people that are trying to do things in
0: the... But it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense why... This powerful superpower, open source models, won't be regulated anyway. Okay, the new the news is the EU have made some uh, steps and in the regulation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but the the UK and other other jurisdictions are probably going to replicate a lot of this grass with you because it's the easiest way to do it. So you may see a lot of this flows through into a uh, UK law as well. And, and the US are sort of having their own conversations now. Speaking of um open source models the meta have also launched a audio box this is what they call a foundational audio model and this can generate this is really interesting it can generate speech and sound effects so if you've ever like me made you know gt videos or you are making videos yeah you use stock images stock video and stock audio and stock sound effects whereas now you don't have to again so you can create by providing a a sound you can then sort of change that sound using prompting or well, I haven't used this yet. I haven't seen it actually in action, but generate speech. Now, while that's different from a text-to-speech model, I don't fully understand, we're now seeing that, again, going back to this multimodality, you'll see models that almost do anything to anything. It's powerful. And Meta, but on a roll. You may know a few months ago, we talked about Meta launching their partnership with Ray-Ban. So, you know, you remember the Google Glass that no one really liked? But well, now the Ray-Bans are actually pretty good. I might actually get a power lock, actually. well, the Ray-Bans have the sort of the Meta models built into them. And what's interesting now is is that you can now actually ask, it. before you couldn't do this, you can now ask it to, whatever you're seeing in your peripheral vision, you can ask it to give you feedback. So you can look at something and say, what on earth is that? Or what are the ingredients in this? Or how do I make this dish? And it'll, it'll tell you. So you're now seeing that the kind of the image models that we're used to now, getting more more used to, are going to be available inside glasses. I mean, it's it's brilliant for our accessibility people with poor vision and different things like this. Like, yeah. and also like we're
1: moving to this whole augmented world where we'll have our knowledge layer on like everything we want to see. Like, you're looking at a restaurant and you can see like what the reviews are straight away on Google and all this stuff's going to kind of come, isn't it? Basically. You know,
0: so. Yeah, you're right. It's a good point. If you combine, you could combine that with AR, augmented reality. Um, it's quite powerful, and and the use cases in business are not super clear yet. But you can imagine, you know, people doing stock takes or walking around in those um, storerooms or a shop, whatever it might be. You go to f- fix a piece of equipment, you, like you can see the manual right next to you, potentially,
1: or you've got, like, for example, like, the last time you serviced that piece of equipment or all that kind of stuff, basically, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so when Meta sort of went all in on the, you know, the sort of, the metaverse, I was a bit sceptical about that, but I think that with their kind of AI, the open source models, AR, the, the glasses, eventually, we will end up, you know, roaming around the metaverse. It's probably a timing issue for them, but they're definitely making a great strides. They'll have AI contact lenses, and then now that you don't need to wear glasses, will you wear the augmented reality content lens when they come out? Probably. Yes, true isn't it? I've, I've spent a fortune getting getting rid of my glass my eyes laser, and I go out and buy some flipping meta ray band glasses, big chunky sunglasses, so I can ask you how to make a pizza. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to my world. And then the one that. I haven't used it yet, it's because I haven't got access to it yet. I'm still waiting to get access. Um, even though I am paying Elon Musk a bit of money for my uh my product. blue tick, which used to have for free. It's XAI. So and, and Grok. So X XAI is Elon Musk's um AI business. He's now raising uh one billion in fresh capital for it. So he's quite serious about building it out. Grok's now become available in um for Twitter. I think mean, Twitter subscribers initially. Well I don't have it yet. Maybe it's just in the US. X. Uh, oh, sorry, X, uh, sorry, X. Now he's already put it about 140 investors uh, for invest the best hundred and thirty five million. So Grok is supposed to be and people I've seen music. I'm involved in a few communities in the AI and AGI communities. It tends to answer questions almost about anything, but it can be a bit tongue in cheek when it asks you when you ask it how to cook up some drug or make a dirty nuclear weapon. So it, it'll it'll come up with some sort of clever answer without actually giving you the answer. Um so Grok's an interesting one in terms of that that continuum, that spectrum of models for different people. And then X AI, the the large language model is being trained on X, on what was Twitter. So that's going to be an interesting um, base to train your large language model on. So it's going to be really interesting to see how how people interact with these different models. Um, but Elon Musk is is quite serious about that, and and Grok's quite serious about uh, trying to be a rival to you know, Google Gemini and ChatGPT GPT and be a bit more sort of um open to. Into conversations where you'll find if you use open AI chat GPT that it, it would avoid a lot of conversations or a lot of images that you might want to might want to create and not for nefarious reasons, just but it, it looks at like it and think, well, hang on a minute, that's borderline, it'll stop me from doing it. Exactly. Right. So that was the we think the AI for business to use over the last sort of ten days, usually seven days, but ten days this time. Um so th- there's still a lot going on. And and again, all of this is building into this exponential curve the kind of bottom of it where it's kicking off where you're seeing more and more things happen it doesn't seem to be slowing down and as we always say next year i think next week this will be our last pod we're going to try and do some forecasts for 2024 and perhaps beyond so implement ai yeah I mentioned in the news, we are now an 11 Labs partner as well. We're also NVIDIA partner and a Microsoft AI partner and a Microsoft startups partner. So we're building our partnerships. Haven't downloaded our white papers, please do, the AI-assisted organization. There's another great one on um, AI agents, so how to augment your workforce. What we're seeing from clients is that's becoming more and more important. That's what they want. And what I keep saying is, you know, one, two years down the line, if you're not... Augmenting, supporting your team with this technology. Why the hell are they going to come and work for you? So becoming be a competitive advantage, being employer of choice. Yeah, exactly. Become a competitive advantage in talent acquisition as well. Sign up for the AI Insider newsletter as well. We've got three questions we ask you now. About you know, are you interested in training? Our, our training business is growing very, very quickly. People realize that training often is the first step. So, are you interested in training or general sort of knowledge about AI or? you want to get started and crack on with implementing in your business as well. So if you haven't done any training yet, whether it's AI fundamentals, whether it's um, prompt engineering, whether it's how to create content or analytics, we have a course almost for everything. And we're looking at getting those um, CPD accredited, aren't we?
1: Exactly. And then and also like the government actually took the time to put together a framework for what is required to upskill different people. So our courses are going to be complying with the you know Office for AI's recommendations to upskill your team. So never been a better time to get your team on board because... Honestly, like if
0: you're not using it, you're actually de skilling. And our courses are very practical. So they're interactive as a trainer. I'm just watching a video, right? They're practical. They are more attuned to and focused on how to use it in, in your business. Just, you know, talking about AI safety. It's not esoteric, it's actually practical and uh, actionable. Um, And then if you haven't started yet, what people are starting with is our AI Activate 60-day sprint. So it's policies, it's guidance, it's automating a workflow, creating an MVP or proof of concept, whatever you want to call it, and then working with you to work out. How do you go from being maybe no AI or very little AI to an ai city organization within one or two years? And the key is to start doing that before your competition does. That's our day job. Exactly. And then with larger organizations, we have our AI Advantage
1: program where we actually do deep dives into the data and help uncover and unlock Different exciting opportunities, so yeah, something there for each each company.
0: And we're doing more of those. And what's interesting is that I think that large organisations are you know, always a bit more slow to see more hurdles to uh, get through. But other organisations are realising that given the data they have, the size of the customers that their cost the affect, their, their growth project, yeah, the opportunity to create value is uh, is very very real. So we're doing more of the larger um, programs as well. Right. So that's implement AI. So let's move on to um this week's theme. So. Well, we've talked through just this week several new models—you know, large models, audio models, smaller models. Google have launched a you know, Nano, Pro, and Ultra—three different sizes of models. Talked about Grok, but there are there's a, a proliferation of models, both proprietary ones and increasingly open source models. If you if you ever use Hugging Face, you can go on there. And lots of there's thousands of models actually, lots of different things. But well, we're going to talk sort of really a focus on the larger models the people are used to you can access, and also perhaps even pay for as well. So we've got a bit of a list here. So let's start with the obvious one. Yeah, so just one step before that.
1: The question isn't which LLN. The question is which LLNs. Because basically, what you're only going to have is a spectrum where you're going to want things which are like without internet or speed or no communication needed to an API. Let's just say you've got a use case where you want a lot of people to use it and it's not so complicated to tune it. You, an open, good open source model could be excellent in those cases, and you won't keep getting charged for open AI, you know, you know, questions. On the other side, if you've got like very complex, and you know, issues or uh, problems that need to be solved, GPT four is in a class of its own. There's no other system that's kind of come close to it. Although there are some Chinese models and some other ones which are coming close to that. So there's a spectrum. So the key thing to think about is like, where are you going to be using it? Is it going to be like an offline device it's going to be a mobile device it's going to be like a you know a website it's going to be like a kind of smart system with a camera where it's going to be so that's the question to think about because it's going to be which llms that's the thing to think about basically now
0: that's a very good point i i don't think any either of us either use one model that they're, they're got a different things now you are seeing things like you know chat gpt and gemini where they're becoming very powerful and multimodal they can do lots of different things and cover quite a lot of ground. But even then, and we'll talk about a few now, the particular use case where you want to do something something different. You, know, you might have a, a much larger context window, like you say, something which is on a sort of an edge device or a watch. Different styles of answer. It's quite interesting as well if you use some of these platforms where you you try the same prompt or the same yes. question in a different model and, and just learn and see uh, what the responses are. We have, let's get our list we've got a list here we've kind uh, of put together. I'm not going to do every one of them because we'll be all day. So GPT-4, GPT-4, GPT-4 Turbo, the new watch is OpenAI. So this is the one I tend to use the most. I tend to use it for ChatGPT Plus. You use it for clients using the API because um, there's lots of different things. You've got different models, you can access Dalai. But on the front end where you're using the kind of the OpenAI interface the one on the web, like say GPT Plus, ChatGPT Plus, then this covers most ground, and I still think, and although Google Gemini have had this comparison against Ultra, it was Ultra against 4, it was Ultra against ChatGPT for Turbo. There might not be much in it, but I'd I become personally more used to using ChatGPT or Turbo. It, I agree. It's It's very powerful, and it's got all the different elements within
1: there. So... If you're trying to look at something which is let's call it like the most complex use cases then that is a good one where it can do lots of different things and it can browse the internet and it's got different elements within there so that's like a good general purpose validation model and like a very high quality one it's the highest
0: quality one at the moment and if you're not using chat gpt plus as an individual to talk i mean i don't think i'll talk to somebody else now um to talk to to bounce ideas off strategy you know <laughs> build, we've been going through yeah. I means sort of Going for the business plan and Correct. asking the questions about adverse engineering stuff. It? I was giving it website. I was giving it a paper. I was giving it different information. It was it's brilliant. Yeah, it's fantastic. So you're not using it yet. You, then you, you should be. So the next one is, is, again, it's OpenAI again. It's GPT, but it's 3.5. So this is the one It's a precursor to it for the full turbo. And you can use it again in the, in the chatbot. Also, you can use the API as well. So this is cheaper. It's faster. And it does most things you need it to. Cheaper really applies to like business
1: applications, right? If you're trying to build a system which is going to have some intelligence in it, and then every time it asks, you know, the, the open AI for some some more answers, that's where it gets cheaper and faster. So the complexity of answer isn't as high, but for most situations, for you know, summarizing, analyzing, understanding the, bit, the elements within it very good
0: basically you know so that's the 3.5 and even on the if you're using chat gpt plus or in the chat bot the interface it's just faster so if you ask it to, to write a large document yeah. you'll see that the text appears a lot faster than does using a chat gpt four, 4 turbo that's the fast one and it, and it will do 80 percent of, of what you need a model to next one we've touched upon again because it's the only other real really multi model is um google gemini and we've touched upon that already so it's going to Huge detail, but again, the difference with Chat GPT and OpenAI is that they say this is built from the ground up as a multimodal model. It's not a different models: one that's you know, one that's text based, one's image based, one's video, and then combining the the, the 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 three. So when you prompt it, you know, oh, hang on a minute, this is text, this is video, this is image, it goes off to do a separate thing. Google Gemini apparently is, is built multimodal ground up. Now Google have to get this right, and and they will get it right, and it looks like the ultra is very good. It's just a lot of people just you know just make a lot of noise about is it just quite as good as uh, OpenAI and ChatGPT to some extent? Who cares? These are extremely powerful models. We haven't really used um, Gemini yet at all in terms of the the backend build applications. It's kind of still locked within a kind of a framework. So we tend to use um, OpenAI's APIs more than Google or any other ones because they're easy to access or or Claude or Llama as well. So that's Gemini. Another one really which we, we have used is, is Meta's llama 2 another fantastic model uh open source as well and very versatile yeah it's very powerful there's a word ver- version with vision already as well
1: and so you can have like a very fast general purpose model but the thing with those is because they don't have to connect to the internet i mean like they they, they can answer very very quickly basically right like you know you could run them privately or for your own instance and, and again that means that if you've got lots of users using it you're not going to up a huge bill from open ai or someone like that so llama 2 you know is, is a very good model basically
0: and it's fast, isn't it? We use one of our own applications, and it is just fast. Like, when you're using you know, Gemini or Bard or ChatGPT, you're used to a certain pace of how these things generate text. Um, you use some of these other open source models, especially if they're sitting in your own infrastructure, and they're just super fast. Kind of it's like okay. mind blowing. So that's Llama two. Another one we we use quite a lot and it's, it, it's quite funny. It had um had a very large context window and then Chat GPT four turbo came out, hundred and thirty thousand tokens. <laughs> I see you and I double you. Yeah and Claude <laughs> went to Now, to Now some extent in most cases, whether you've got hundred and thirty thousand tokens or two to tokens doesn't really matter. It's more the the quality of the output. And what Claude right. is very good at, especially if you had to prompt it properly and so we do our prompt engineering courses, because sometimes these things can use information resolution in the middle of large documents so if you hide a say a, a clause in a very very large document and upload it and ask questions about that particular piece of information sometimes it can miss it so you need to be aware of that but claude is very good at a lot of context if you need it but also generating longer documents you'll find that if you use chat GPT, sometimes yeah it, it kind of it kind of runs out of steam after about 500 words yeah, and, and sometimes I found that like even with
1: an GPT, I think I shared with you like like I put like a I was getting it to a critique an email and I put like a screenshot of the email on and it was misreading some of the stuff in in GPT from from the actual email, but like I find Claude very very good for like business business purposes. And, and the quality
0: summarization and the different elements from within there are very good as well Claude if you haven't used Claude there's uh, Claude 2 now it's definitely worth going to have a look at' We like ChatGPT as well we use the API we use the api more but you, but you can i sorry fast I've signed up for the, the paid version as well so you can there is a paid version now which is uh, worth having a look at and I say that chat GPT and Claude are the ones we use the most although I'm going to have a much more of a play now with um Gemini next one really is it's not really its laws not really available yet is Amazon's Q. So this is a, it's tailored for business applications. It's more kind of, an Amazon's got this enormous basic customer using AWS. They need to make sure that those, those workloads don't disappear to Azure or somewhere else. Yeah. Because they're AI enabled. So they need to make sure that's what they're building is very, very large, powerful models. Exactly. So Amazon Q is tailored more for business applications. So it's allow you to, sort you of know, talk to your documents, understand what you've got sitting in there, up there in the cloud. Haven't really accessed it yet, but that's something which is keeping an eye on Amazon because again, just like Google. They have to be a player in this game. Otherwise, AWS is going to have
1: a problem. They grew because of AI, like the the whole personalized storefront and everything like that. Like they've been
0: doing this for a long time. And machine learning. Yeah. They've had machine learning capabilities um, in AWS for for years, but not cheap, but they've been there. Now, some other ones which you've probably never heard of is uh, there's one called uh, Mistral. So they've just raised uh, over $415 million or something like that in a sipping A round of finance, which is just, again, insane. And again, that's another LLM, which is very, very fast. And the beauty of these models is, and we'll talk about, you know, it's a bit like a Grok, we've mentioned Grok, not in this list, but Grok's another one, where they will answer almost any question. They're kind of a less, laissez-faire. They're kind of free speech, um, carefree, they call it. And they've got this kind of hacker attitude. So some of these models... The, the people that make them are very nervous about what they're going to be useful whereas some of the models, and this it's just probably right to some extent and there's some regulation around it they're much more um, less faire they will respond to anything you ask or anything you ask them to do this
1: one's from a French team so it's very good with like French, Italian some European languages and everything like that but at the same time also it's you know very powerful and nothing has been gated off
0: yeah, and so it's an open source model and is it is it, is it nothing? So so can you could ask me why I'll add all content? I haven't tried, but like uh I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Good answer Good answer. Um but, but, but for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I wonder if what way should you do that? That's so they're, they're, let's face it, there are people, have businesses, and let's say adult entertainment or gambling, yeah, like yeah. you want generate content. A lot will run away from it, but some of these models won't. And also, there's another point a good point you made, Alok is that most models expect you to engage them in English. That is the language of yeah. uh, large language models. So if you're not used to working in English or don't want to, find models that are uh, designed to create in your language are better. This model also has a very different, slightly
1: architecture. It's called the MOE, Mixture of Experts Architecture. And I think this is actually the way that a lot of things are going to go, where it's not going to be like one intelligent system. necessarily. I mean, this is one system with different layers doing different bits, but there's going to be a way that we're going to go towards this kind of like agents or this kind of team approach where there's going to be different AIs specializing in different things and helping in that way. So Mistral works very, very fast. And um, yeah, I, I used it on the Perplexity Playground. So like we're going to, we're coming to
0: that one now, isn't it? Like Perplexity AI. That's the last one. Let's talk about that. Perplexity, yeah, which is fantastic. So you used it recently, haven't you? It's so
1: good. It's so good. So, they say, so they've got their own LLNs, which are trained for like some of their search things. So basically, they're like the, the next Google, let's call it that, right? So Google has let you search. You get 10 blue links. They think people need more than 10 blue links. So they create the search engine, which is basically a cross between ChatGPT and Google. So you can ask any kind of question it will answer for you, but it will also give the references which are different web pages. And personally, I'm finding that so much better for like research, but they've got their own LLMs, which they've created, which you can access by API, which are very helpful, very accurate. But then they've also got all these other ones like, you know, Mistral and different ones like this in Llama within their playgrounds. So you you actually go to Perplexity Lab and um, playground, you can actually test these different models and ask the same question to different ones so you can just click out which LLM you want underneath it. So that's actually a very good and very fast way to, Get a feel for like what these different models
0: are like. Yeah, the again, as I was saying, very good for um, research if you want to make sure that you capture all the, all the various sources and where, where this information is coming from, which is going to be a huge room in the future because you won't be able to rely on any content whatsoever, whether it's real, whether it's, te- whether it's written, whether it's, pre- written you know, whether it's video. Pre-2022 or something like this, or pre-21 or something yeah, like that. No, Provenance in terms of where this content is coming from, these answers, is going to become really important. Make sure it's not just some hallucination as well. That's our list. That's the list we think are the ones that are most worth going to spend some time with and using. Are the ones that we tend to use, or that yeah. name's Mistrom itself. And Amazon Q is not quite available yet, but it will be to um, corporates very, very soon. And then the other ones are, you know, you've got Microsoft, you're going to have CodePilot. I'm not sure, I'm not entirely sure, right, sitting here right now, whether that's um, a Microsoft LLM, or I think they are using OpenAI, aren't they? But they're,
1: but they're releasing more, actually, and they're under investor pressure to show that, like, they have spread bets, not just OpenAI
0: after that whole debacle that happened afterwards, actually. So they're, they're actually releasing quite a few models of themselves. So Alex, you're right. What you said is absolutely right. So go for those lists, play with them, and you and you'll find you'll probably need one to three models to, to do what you want it to do. No, no matter what you want to do.
1: You'll have like one general purpose, which will be like you're going to a bit. Like yesterday I was working with GPT-4 and with peers. And we were like, there's always like a third partner that we were doing the kind of meeting with, isn't it? Like to go through the business plan. The second what type you'd want is if you've got some business application, you'll need something which has an API, which can then be answering things very quickly. So depending on the use case, you might have different ones that you might prefer to use. And then the third one is like if you've got applications which you want to run fast without internet or with internet but just not be limited by usage or billing then that's where you have got an open source model so really there's the kind of the three things there's like the your general day-to-day there's your api type one and there's
0: your kind of like let's call it offline or like private type um, interface type model so let's get on to ai of the week now we've been focusing the last couple of weeks on audio so we you know we're entering a world as i keep saying about voice real-time voice so real-time conversations with a large language model you know you're looking at 100 or 200 maximum 300 milliseconds in terms of response time and something we've been working looking at is um gram, isn't it so talk us through gram. i think that's ai of the week exactly so i think that the whole thing here is like
1: phone calls inquiries speaking to someone it all requires speech to text so then the system can trust drive, and That's what Deepgram does very very well. And then the whole point is the faster it can do that, the faster you can then have like the AI talk back to you because you're using like an open source AI LM, it, it doesn't need much processing time and then it can like stream back, for example, eleven loud speech or something to you. So the faster you can have like an agent which could let's say do gardening support or something like this or different areas, you're going to have like essentially like a, you know a live. AI agent that can help people in almost real time. And now we're
0: about we're gonna talk about 2024 and our sort of um our bets for the year, but you know, one of them, twenty twenty-four and beyond, is going to be that voice, real time voice powered by these models is going to change the customer service game completely.
1: Yeah, there'll be two things. Like that's one of them. The voice everywhere is gonna be like a massive thing and intelligence everywhere. Any place you've got a white box to type text,
0: there's gonna be an LM. Helping you or devices still waiting for um alexa to get his act together that, that's coming so that's our ai of the week it's been uh voice related so if you haven't signed up for our ai insider newsletter please do we've got I and mean, it's a couple of thousands now of people sign up so that's growing really really quickly that's fantastic but please do download our white papers and really importantly enjoy this pod and we'll we try and make this as relevant to business as possible unlike all the other ones really to balance with it uh please do rate it, especially on appart does help us to get the message out so maybe if you do enjoy it and also if you like if you like the video version of it uh next year we're going to kind of up the game on this in terms of having touch having guests having more demos as well so there'll be more production involved so please do go onto youtube and uh subscribe and like it that's it for this week that's uh the ai assisted organization podcast we'll see the same time ish we're gonna to act together next week and we're going to be talking about our bets and our forecast for 2024 see you then